0: Look around. Everywhere these days, people are crying out for effective leadership. There's no mistaking it any longer. Men, especially leaders, are struggling, emasculated by imposed rules, stereotyping, and leadership models that are no longer working. There are many women who are doing a much better job at leadership than the men, and we need to recognize them. We need their help, too. Welcome to Well the Women's Expressions on Leadership, Learning, and Liberty podcast show, and I'm its host, John Crotech. This is the show where women can help us men to be better men, more effective leaders. I am super excited about this guest for this episode of the Well podcast show. Um, we've been friends for a couple of years uh, before COVID hit. We can talk a little bit about that. But what's more important is she's here today. Uh, she's been doing a lot of moving around and she's been helping her daughter. And I'm just so blessed to have Lori Sudbrink here with me today, who is a fantastic human being and a leadership. Um, she's actually one of the reasons why we have this show is because we want to recognize women who exemplify what I consider Leadership, not just from a power over type of leadership, but from a power within, and she exhibits grit, and we'll get to that. But she's been an executive leadership coach and trainer for over two decades. You know, we didn't just pull her out of the sky. She's been doing this for a while. Um, She also, what I like about Lori too, is she she has real world business experience. She's not a smoke and mirrors uh, digital person, uh, who puts credentials out there, uh, that aren't maybe necessarily real. She's done it. she has been in the trenches. She has had her own company and, 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 and been working with businesses for a long, long time now. One thing that really attracts me to her leadership style is the, the book that she wrote. She, she authored leading with grit. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, But she, that book, again, is not just something off the shelf. It's been endorsed by the guy who wrote The Four Agreements, Miguel Ruiz. And that book's very popular. I think there's five agreements now. And then Ken Blanchard, who wrote The One Minute Manager, who I read like in college over 30 years ago. If those guys are going to endorse your book, then you know that what Lori wrote is something worth reading. But again, I'm honored, blessed, humbled to have Lori here today on this episode of the Well Bob Podcast. Thanks, Lori.
1: Thank you so much, John. I am so excited to have another conversation with you. I, I thoroughly enjoyed our first one, and I'm eager to see what comes out today.
0: Me too, you know, and and everybody talks or speaks or, you know, we talk about, pre-COVID and post-COVID, and and Lori and I just had a short conversation before she came on about my how things have changed and how priorities have changed, and we're seeing it in all of our lives. But let's back up, Lori, Tell us a little bit about your upbringing uh, and, and what your family life was like and how you got such great leadership traits. In your arsenal of personality. So tell us about that. Thanks.
1: Yeah, thanks, John. You know, we were chatting just a little bit about this before we came on, too. Is that I grew up in a a really small town where cows outnumbered people, you know, just a really tiny community and um, middle child of 14. And I know that's like, whoa, you know, it's like, I don't know if anybody listening remembers the Brady Bunch, but we used to call ourselves the Crazy Bunch. We were a blended family. (laughs) And I think that's really where. At least my passion started for this because um, to be heard, you know, and to be listened to, and and all of that, in in the mixed, uh, you know, in the midst of 14 kids, it was like you, you needed to um, rise up, you needed to stand up, and I, I still say that about leaders today. It's not about a position. anybody can stand up and be a leader. It's a it's more about what you do, and in and, and what you do is driven by your thoughts and your beliefs and your intent um, behind things. So, you know, that was definitely where I started. And I was one of those kids that I never really knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. Some of my siblings knew exactly what they wanted to be. Um, I kind of stumbled into what I'm doing. Um, I worked for almost 14 years at a very large manufacturing organization in upstate New York. And I was, I started on the factory line. I was a single mom. I was taking classes. I, and it was probably one of the, one of the, well, maybe Ken Blanchard's one minute manager, <laughs> something to do with this. It was a class that I took and I realized I could see like what the leaders were doing or the people's people in leadership positions were doing right, what they were doing wrong. Like, it, and it was so intriguing to me, how we, how we treated each other and the impact that had on leadership. I remember just watching that when I was in that organization. And so when the opportunity came up that there was a, uh, a position to train, I was intrigued by that. It had nothing to do with leadership at the time. It was product training, but I was like, okay, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to you know try out for this position. And it was a tryout. They gave us a protocol product that we took home and we had to come back and do this presentation to, know the upper management team on how we would train that but um that's how my whole career in training got started i did software training computer training you know that kind of thing and still throughout that organization i was constantly connecting on the interpersonal side of things i'm an empath so i was always like relating to people and and um having you know deep conversations. I even started like a brown bag lunch at one point when we were all struggling because we, um, at the time the company was uh, looking at chapter 11 and they did end up filing mm-hmm. chapter 11 and going south. But, and that was really what made me step back and go, well, what do you really want to do here? I had been at that time, it was, it was like 14 years, I had been managing the training function. So I loved the interpersonal side of it. I had been introduced to a really awesome tool called DISC um used that um, in most of the foundation of the trainings that i did and at the time i wasn't uh, appreciative of it but you know later on i I realized that having to have no budget and really get creative in how i uh, brought leadership topics and training to that organization really came in handy because i decided to start my own business and i said you know i i I really love this work i want to go out there and help more organizations Um, to do this. And it's the interpersonal side of things, being able to connect, build emotional intelligence. And that's, you know, that's how the whole uh, company started. And I literally moved, started the company, um, you know, all in the same year. And it was just me at the time. And I slowly built up the company. I had six full-time employees and um, wonderful, wonderful group of people. And then 2008 hit, <laughs> recession, which I had no idea we were I, in a recession. I
0: remember it well, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was I our, had no idea. <laughs> the only year I we was, didn't make
0: any money, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, and I kept going, what am I doing wrong? And I hired a salesperson, and I, you know, I just, I was not in tune with what was going on in the external world at that time. I wasn't even that in tune to politics or anything. I was just like working hard at my business. And so um, I ended up helping everyone in the organization find another position. And, you know, slowly over a year, I did take on quite a bit of debt, you know, at that time to keep salaries going and stuff, but felt really good about what I did, because I didn't just sever the ties and and say too bad, it's up to you to figure it out. Um, And at the same time, shortly after that in 2020, 2010 I lost my youngest brother to suicide and you know I think between those two events it it just it was like God or the universe just telling me you need to change you know there's something you need to change here and I it took me so you know a lot of self-reflection and to figure it out but it was really about what are you doing you know just growing this company because you want the fame or you know the 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 attention of growing this company, I always had these monetary goals, you know, oh, we hit a million in revenue. Yay. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, it made, it forced me, I guess, to look deeper at what was really important. And I, I realized one of my most important values is freedom. It's family, you know, it's having fun. It's those kind of things. And I, I realized that I wasn't, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't spending enough time with my family. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't making the time for fun and I wasn't, I was just so busy building that and didn't really realize that. Yeah, so and that points yeah. out,
0: you know what, that that leads me, and we'll go back a little bit in your family coming up, but it leads me to, to a very specific point about self-reflection. And you know, we mentioned power over others versus power within. And I've got I've taken away a few things from you. Number one, initiative. Okay. You always took mm-hmm. initiative. You've mentioned inter- interpersonal skills twice maybe three times, Mm -hmm. I'd have to go back and check, Uh, adapting and creativity. But this self-reflective portion of that tragedy with your brother is extremely important. You know, sometimes it takes a tragedy like that, or as we mentioned, COVID, to make people really go deep inside. And what I've learned, Lori, from this conversation so far, is those leaders who reflect, self-reflect, are the ones that develop those interpersonal skills and take them to higher levels. But, but anyhow, so let's just go back. You obviously had brothers and, and, keep your, and keep your thought. Yeah. You know, but, you know, tell us, you know, as a girl in a big, large family, you know, you obviously learned these skills. What, what did you learn about? You mentioned your brother. What did you learn about boys? What did you see? Mm, yeah. You know, boys and, and later on, you know, men or young men or whatnot. What did you learn about us?
1: Yeah, early on, I, it seemed like the boys were favored in our family, you know, it seemed like, uh, I remember my, one of my brothers, I have uh, five brothers, so um, had five brothers. One of them, it was, uh, we would catch him up late at night watching TV with my dad and stepmom. And we were, you know, it was, it was like, there was, they were, we were treated differently. Um, for sure, you know, and you could see that. And the message was even like my dad was a contractor and a builder and stuff, just his, you know, he was self employed too. And he, um, you know, he'd let me mow the lawn and stuff, but he never taught me how to run the backhoe. He never taught me how to do <laughs> those kind of things. And I know I could have done it. And even today, I go, I wish I would have learned that skill. Uh, so we, we were definitely treated differently you know and it was um it felt to me and this could just be my own perception but it felt to me like we we would work harder we would do more than the boys had to do they seemed to be able to do the fun stuff but you know, it may not have been fun to them, but looking at it, it was like oh, we were doing the dishes, the house cleaning, the cooking, the this, the that. You know, that's, an, am- stay in your
0: lane. <laughs> that's an amazing observation. I got to tell you, I mean, because I've I learned everything from from everybody that comes on the show. That that is incredible observation, and it made some, you know women are capable. You know what? Mm-hmm. But but those men, those boys in your family, and many men, my, including myself, I had two older sisters even the way we're trained or raised makes us feel that women are not capable. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting that you say that because I've done things and my wife says, what do you think? I don't know how to do it. And you just made me realize here. I'm at 62. You made me realize (laughs) that that is, that's an ingrained perception. The guys that are listening, I got to tell you, women are capable. We got to stop that. Yeah. Um, anyhow sorry now, I mean to get off well, the off thought that.
1: that pops into my head John when you say that though at the same time I do think there is value in some of those roles and the family unit and I I, I suspect I fear I want to say that there is like there's a there's a breakup of the family unit and so part of me it's not that I it's, it's not that it's all bad or anything, but it's, it's important, I think, for us to be able to look at it objectively and realize that, you know, there are certain things that women and men are better at and good at and all of that. But if we, if we do that with knowledge, if we do that, you know, and and say, this is why, and here's what we're doing, and all of that, I think it would feel better to people to understand that, that, you know, I'm, So I'm not saying people should stay within their roles, but I I do think there's something to be said about knowing our strengths, whether it's because we're female or male or disc style or experience or our, our physical build, but knowing what those are, knowing what our passions are, and then aligning ourselves to that.
0: What you say is true. So let me ask you this, that being said, and, and roles, right? We know how the world is now.
1: Uh, <laughs> yes. let, let me ask
0: you this. When, when a guy opens a door for you, you know, a restaurant or wherever, how do you feel?
1: I and love sh- it. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I, at the same time, will open a door for a guy.
0: See, and, and that, and, no. And that is exactly what you just said is it makes perfect sense, you know, because like we just said, ladies are not incapable to me. Opening a door or, or, or extending a nicety or exhibiting yeah. some etiquette is not a show of weakness. It's a show mm-hmm. and a sign of respect. Yeah. And, and it's giving a fellow human being, whether she's. A she or it gives respect and dignity and why not etiquette? Why not? Yes. Isn't that a role that men should be filling?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's um, it's to me, it's kind of sad that we let all this PC political correctness get in the way of being human. And I saw that early on when I started my training business, I was hired to do a sexual harassment training for a county sheriff's office, and it was a subcontracting job, and I went in to do it, and I just remember thinking, I don't even agree with half of this stuff. It's like, we need to be human. We, we don't need to tiptoe around each other and... You know, sure, people have gone too far on the you know, discrimination and things like that. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. But we need to get back to being human, respect those those principles, those values that we have. And then there's no issues of all of this diversity and inclusion. It doesn't matter, you know, like you're gonna include and in, and in, and you're gonna celebrate diversity. It has nothing to do with color and this and that. It's you
0: know, it's those basics. No, I totally believe I believe exactly what you're saying. You know, it's I've flipped through a book here real quick. I'm always writing down thoughts and and what you just said, that bit of wisdom. Um sometimes or 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 mostly and take this in the right context, um we give ourselves too much credit for being something, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes more often than not We don't give ourselves enough credit for being human. Mm -hmm. That's exactly, you just hit, kudos to you. You just hit the nail on the head. Well, and I love
1: the way you articulated it because it just, that's it.
0: Well, I just (laughs) took what you said and and, and I just reinforced (laughs) it because that's the way I'm thinking too. And you know, Lori, you were right. Why can't we be more human? And and, and why do we have to have labels which seem to divide us even more? Why?
1: yeah yeah think about think know, about
0: the, yeah give me some thoughts on that, your leadership style mm-hmm. um, without labels, you know how would that work
1: yeah, well, I think you know labels um labels like you said separate us they pigeonhole us and i i I try to go you know back further and go why do people even use labels what what is their need to do that and sometimes of course it's just an innocent way to make life easier and faster and all of that but more times than not i think it's a fear i think it boils down to fear it's like we 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 have to label somebody something so that we can put them in that box or we can make them you know we can we can, we can manipulate it or we can control it in the way we want to. Um, Humans to me are just quite fascinating really when you think about the mix of where we're animal with instinct, right? But yet we have this, this soul and this spirit and we, we know that we're going to die for example and animals don't know that, right? So we have this, it's, it's like this almost paradox and, and it's like if we Maybe maybe sometimes people are afraid, they're like anxious that they are going to die someday. I don't know, I'm going pretty deep, but my mind is just like, and then they, so they hold on to something um, and, you know, whether it's something to make them feel secure, whether it's something to make their ego feel bigger, uh, I think it boils down to fear why people end up you know, labeling and discriminating and, and all those kinds of things. Maybe it's an insecurity. They, you know, they need to feel like they're somewhere else. Um, the reason that I bring up fear too, and even trying to understand it is not to make an excuse for it. Not at all. I use that so that I don't take it personally. I don't take the behavior personally because it's so easy to get hung up on taking somebody's behavior personally that then you're not objective and your judgment is clouded you think it's all about you and it has nothing to do with you really (laughs) you know if you think about it if I if I come on your show today John and I'm like all happy and give you a compliment it's probably more about how I was feeling than if I come on your show today and I'm like "Uh," you know that kind of thing it's not about you it's more about how you know where it's coming from inside and so I think it's important for us all to remember that because we can so easily let people push our buttons, you know, take it personally when if we can look at it objectively, then we can come at it more objectively and help and hopefully find a solution and at the very least walk away, you know, if it's not something that you want to stay by.
0: No, 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 you're totally correct. And you know, fear, I'm glad you mentioned fear too. A couple of things, take nothing personal. We'll talk a bit about that, but when you lead by fear, as we're pointing out, there might be a tendency to cause division and especially mm-hmm. by the people we lead. And I, and I think that that's a great point. You know, I, I heard somebody the other day uh, say, you know, I try to be optimistic 99% of the time. And one, the other 1% is my fear telling me that I'm wrong. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, and then that's, you know, fear is huge and, and, and leaders who are fearful and then rightfully there's, Different types of fear, I guess. If a bear is coming after us, you're gonna do right. Something. But but most most fear is what Churchill says is just fear itself. There's nothing to fear really. It's all in our mindset. Yeah.
1: So true. It's so true. And you know, it's not that you know we we shouldn't even uh, stuff fear down or anything like that. It's more about having the like you were saying. Some fear we have to we have to know what to do with that fear. It, is this a flight or fight kind of thing do we have to run from that barrier do we have to fake that do we do we power through that fear be courageous and go through to the other side so that we can feel that that you know you feel so much more free after that um so it's more to me about courage than it is about the fear yeah but fear holds us back right fear well, the way we react to it um yeah
0: <laughs> it's, it's true and, and a lot of times you know this uh, the wisdom or or the uh, the way we handle fear comes by our experience in life and what i've yeah. always said to people is that you know it's kind of strange every time i've been fearful or something and this is going to happen or that's going to happen or i think it might happen it rarely happens and everything yeah. seems to work out but we still tell this to ourselves but we continue sometimes to beat ourselves up so yeah or, or, well, or just... to rem- yeah remain fearful
1: yeah, and I just heard something the other day. You made me uh, remember it that worry is like praying for something bad to happen. And I thought that is so brilliant, you know, because it is you're just dwelling on that bad thing, um, you, you know. So worry is just kind of one of those. No, that's emotions,
0: pretty. That's but. that's pretty cool, you know. I you know what I love these conversations, and and I, and I what I'm starting to feel. And I know you can read it in what people write and what people say. I feel like there's, there's something th- th- that's happening right now. Now, this might be cliche or maybe this is too topical, rhetorical, but I feel like more and more people are delving inside deeper, even though there's a cancel culture, mm, we yeah. hear all that. I yeah. think that's a small percentage of people. I think people, men and women, are starting to dig deeper. You just said a second ago, I'm going deep, I know. That's, yes. what, that's what we're doing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. And I, I couldn't agree more. From my experience, um, I've been in this line of work for quite a while and I've had the passion of of digging deeper for, for longer than that. And I definitely notice people are willing to do that self-reflection. Um, you know, it's kind of like, it is the great awakening. It's people are looking inside and going, what's really going on here? And they're also like, being forced kind of with everything that's happening in the world to look outside and go, what's really going on here, (laughs) you know? And and then we, it helps us to choose what's, what's important to us in life. So if we can, if we know what our priorities our principles our values are, then we, it's not always easy, but at least we have something to align to. And it, you know, I think what's happened in, in, in our world, and I'll say the U.S. because that's where I live, but I would suspect it's beyond that, is that we're, a lot of us are lost. We've lost that. We've, there's so many things that are uh, vying for our attention. And I even think about that with my, my youngest brother. You know, he lost his life to suicide. I had a second brother. Same thing, you know, and it was just devastating for our yeah. family. And you, you think about it, and the thing that the two of them had in common, I would say, is that they were a bit lost. You know? One was into drugs and alcohol, the second mm. one. The first one was not. You know? And um, both, you know, of course, uh, extremely devastating, shocking, never would have thought that would happen. But you, know, you wonder how much fear, of course, who am I supposed to be? Um, You know, what is the world telling me? How how do I talk to, especially for men, I've noticed it's, it's, it seems at least in my limited experience with with the men and, you know, in my life and, and working with men and stuff is it's almost not, you know, it's not okay for them to talk about being vulnerable. And then sometimes the ones that do, Maybe take it too far for, for society and then they're thinking, oh, they're feminists, you know, they're feminized or something. And I do, you yeah. know, it's, it's a delicate balance, I think, for men. I think it's tough.
0: You know, the word lost invoked something that I read a couple of months ago. where the first time in American education history that mm-hmm. women enrollments in college have now surpassed the men. That less and less boys, young men are going away to school. And it's interesting that you say that because the number one response in the survey of men, boys, younger guys not going to college is they quote, feel lost, unquote. Wow. That's pretty, you know, so what that makes me the importance of having a purpose.
1: Yes. It's so,
0: you know, why are men uh, depressed? Depression's up, what, 69%? I was reading a report, mentalhealth.net. General anxiety for guys the last couple of years is up 55%. It Um, didn't help
1: being, you know, ostracized from everyone, not allowed to, like, you know, interact with each other and stuff. I mean, at least guys, you know, they can pick on each other and do it in their own way and, and, you know, just get together. And I'm sure that's been a big part of it. Well, even, <laughs>
0: even guys, you know, the American Psychological Association guidelines that just came out last year, they, they literally, in so many words, say that traditional masculine roles may be an illness. And, uh, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And you mentioned something, guys that become vulnerable or they're, they're willing to make contact with their inner selves, you know, mm-hmm. they, they do get ostracized. And yep. that's why a lot, you know, that's societal standards, I guess, in America anyways, but, 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 but it is. And, and, and that's, that's one reason why I think it is important to reach out to not the other side, let female humans, to find out yeah. what mm-hmm. it is that they do that make them leaders in their own right. And then maybe mm-hmm. we, by de facto, we learn something from each other you know i, yeah, I mean I'm, I can't yeah. help but
1: think of Harville Hendricks and you know men are from Mars, women are from Venus, you know it's kind of like we are different creatures, and we do you know we can learn from each other for sure, you know, and it's um what can women so,
0: do? so what can women do? what can women yeah. do what can, what can female leaders do?
1: What can female leaders do for what, John? What? For,
0: for, for the world. What can they do for yeah. the world? The way it is now with so mm-hmm. many guys struggling. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, one of the things I think is a great opportunity for women leaders is to provide a psychologically safe place to be human and male and female and, you know, be able to just be yourself. And um, in fact, I someone was saying just the other day, they were talking about how, They felt like, you know, the advantages were all for the men in this business that they're in and, and, you know, they were going on and on. And I said, well, you know, one of the, one of the main things we can do is to stop taking it so personally. It is what it is. We are where we are. So let's just look at it like that, you know, and then say, how can we show up not in a way that we're wounded or victimized or hurt, but. How can we help? How can we help shine the light for other people that maybe don't see that you know, some of that's happening when I was just talking about with the you know, male-dominated world or vice versa? Um, it's being able, being able to hold that space so that somebody can be real. You know? So as a woman leader, um, I think, and, and there's many women leaders, believe me, that do not handle emotions well. They, they would rather avoid it like the plague, you know, and there's time and a place for sure. Emotional intelligence is really understanding your own emotions, being aware of them, being able to manage those, and also having a social element where you're looking at someone else and you're realizing this person is struggling or you're even caring about that they are expressing an emotion right now. And then how do you help manage that with that person? You know, in, in other words, don't be gasoline on the fire, right? Like don't add to that. And that's so emotional intelligence is, is something that, um, we as humans can do. And I, I hesitate to divide that, you know, at all by uh, gender, because I really have, um, experienced Mm. men that have high emotional intelligence and women that have high emotional intelligence and both that avoid the topic. But one of the things that we both can do is, to allow the space for that, you know, especially one-on-one, have a conversation, not call somebody out in, in a meeting, and you know, in front of everyone, but later say, hey, John, can we have a quick chat? And then just say, you know, I, I noticed you're, you were breathing heavy and you rolled your eyes and stuff. Is there anything you want to talk about? Create some space for it, have the conversations um, so that people have that opportunity to release. Because if they don't release on, you as a leader, which means just let them vent up. That's part of your role is to listen and be able to help them redirect that, help them maybe shift their thoughts and beliefs, help them with some stress management techniques. Be that person that is there to help them be the person they're meant to be, right? And so sometimes it's clearing roadblocks for that.
0: No, that's yeah. some great advice or great tip there for ladies leaders who are listening, you know, talk to us about your book a little bit, you know, leading with grit, you know?
1: Well, I'll tell you, yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about grit because I was seeing a lot of grit in upper leadership. And there was all this talk of, oh, we need more grit. We need more grit, you know? And I thought, do we really? Because I've seen a lot of upper management with a ton of grit, you know, they're just like they're they're plowing through it, they're they're just like bam and they're getting stuff done and they're tenacious and um, what I wasn't seeing is grit in a balanced way so that long term you didn't create collateral damage that then ruined everything you worked for. So generosity respect integrity and truth is the acronym that I came up with for grit to help people see that you know it takes more than just that passion and, and perseverance and driving toward a goal those are important not to discount that but what we often can do is leave collateral damage whether it's to other people relationships or you know, you're, you're just uh, you know hurting other people along the way or yourself your health, stress. Um, so there's a lot of collateral damage we can end up with when we just focus on on grit even when you're passionate, even when you love what you do, you still you know if anybody's ever focused on a goal at the expense of some other areas in their life, they know what I'm talking about. I've done it myself. I know when I was younger, a single mom going to college, I focused so hard on getting great grades that wow, I was sick at the end of every semester and then I remember hmm. just thinking, You know, looking back, I was like, I probably didn't really spend the time that I should have with my daughter, you know, because I was so hyper-focused on this goal of getting like a a 4.0 GPA or something, you know, it was just like, what are you doing? So I had grit with that, but it wasn't enough really when you think about your whole entire life. So it's important with the grit acronym in order to get that grit that's sustainable without collateral damage, we actually start at the, um, we inverse it. So we start with truth and we understand who we are, what we're all about, what's important to us in all aspects of our life. It's just an understanding, it's an awareness and an appreciation of where we are right now and who we are. And then integrity is about aligning to that. So if I know who I am and what's important to me, say I health and wellness is important, but then I go home and I just, you know, kick back on the couch, eat Snickers bars, watch TV all night. Is that really important to me? It's kind of a litmus test for us too. We can go, hmm, you know, am I, is this really important to me? Do I need to change my actions? It's for us to look at. It's not somebody else to judge us with. So integrity is about aligning to your truth. Um, and it's also about realizing that it's not about perfection. So we do the best that we can do. Um, it's an opportunity, this grit roadmap to be able to look objectively to self-reflect and then respect as we know it's of course about respecting others but first we have to respect ourselves if we don't respect ourselves how will we ever be good you know to to show up for somebody else um and i use that analogy of the flight attendant, you know, it's like she tells you to put the oxygen mask on yourself before the person sitting next to you. And I literally experienced this with my daughter, she was about two years old, the first time that I flew with her. And the flight attendant said that and I was like, wait a minute, I would put that on her first, my gut would have been to put that on her first. And so many people um, end up sometimes doing that at the expense of you know themselves. They don't think ahead of where they really should be focused. We've got to focus on ourselves first, not at the expense of other people, mm. but just so that we are strong. You know enough to do the things, show up the way we need to as a leader. And the last step is generosity. When we know ourselves, truth. When we align to that, integrity. When we respect ourselves and others it comes natural. You know, you have this feeling of abundance rather than scarcity. You want to have that one-on-one with your direct report and help them see what they need to do better. You know, you want to spend that time listening to somebody. It's, It's not something that you feel like you have to do. You really want to do it. And this creates sustainability. You know, this creates, you're going to get those goals and you're not going to damage things on the way so that's what grit is all about and I actually was using grit in in my training with you know people for years but didn't have a name for it and it was a group of us that sat around brainstorming in my company one time and we had all this stuff written all over the walls and the funny thing was we were talking about old westerns John Wayne true grit and all of a sudden, I looked, and generosity, respect, integrity, and truth were just like, woo, you know, out there. And I said, "Oh my goodness, this is it! You know, this is exactly how we can um, use this to describe a great roadmap to keep, you know, keep people on a leadership track, but also help them to feel good about themselves and treat others the right way."
0: Yeah. No, it is. It is uh, you know. Thank you for sharing that story. It is. It's easy to remember. Uh, anybody can figure it out, you know, so, and, and they, and there's, you know, if you're, if you're listening between the lines, you just mentioned listening, there's a lot more than just those four attributes, for sure. <laughs> yes. you, you hit upon compassion, you hit upon tolerance, you, um, mm-hmm. mindset, uh, um, the listening we just talked about, but there's so much more uh, priorities and values, core values you touched upon. There's it's a lot, lot
1: to unpack. The critic. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It
0: seems, you know, think—just the word "think." You know, using our mm-hmm. uh, our common sense, or our critical thinking, or objective reasoning. How many people do that now? You know, right. there's a, lot, a lot of people just laugh. Question out. things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so, leadership—I totally agree with you. Leadership and human beings are fascinating, and how we interact, and probably. When I'm gleaning from you about all of this is tolerance, you know, mm-hmm. being tolerant of others' viewpoints. You know, we do know our place. If we are in charge of something, there's a way that we can uh, uh, manage those who follow us.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and it's just, it is fascinating. And I think that people like yourself, Lori, are on the front lines of this huge shift in leadership consciousness. I really do. And it's amazing to me how far humans have come, Mm -hmm. but it's also amazing and challenging to know how far we need to go still just by the way the world is. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. And it's an exciting time. You know, it's an exciting time to be alive, really, because I think we're on a huge spiritual shift. I think that there is something like I said earlier, like we're awakening as human beings. We're taking it to that next level. Um, and that's exciting. And it's it's not exciting. You know, the the damage that's happening to people's lives and, mm-hmm. and those kind of things. I don't want to you know come across as not appreciating that because I certainly do. But I do think it's a it's a great opportunity to look inside, to self-reflect, to decide what's really important to you in life. Like what's really important and living that not just at home or not just at work, but we're just gonna emulate that, we're gonna be that person. And so when you say the word tolerate, I know some people think of that as kind of a negative, oh, I'm just tolerating someone. I, I don't think of it that way at all. I think of it more as being present and holding space and respecting and you know being okay with the differences and, and a little a little more patient when it comes to the way somebody else is and it's,
0: uh, it's that yeah.
1: kind of spirit right like yeah
0: no no I'm with you on that so you know do you have a let me ask you this Lori do you have a, like a personal uh, quote that you've made up or that you live by every day do you have one
1: yeah, and you know, I've got it I'll confess, I'm terrible at remembering the nitty-gritty of quotes. I love them. They're all through my book, they're all through my grit productivity planner. And whenever somebody says, What's your favorite quote? I don't know what it is, but I sit there and I go, <laughs> but so one of them that I love, and I'm trying to even think who who said it, it's um it's a it is it says something about tiny matters, um, what lies before us and what lies beneath us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us yeah i love that quote and i think of it all the time because it sums up kind of what we were just talking about because it's like we those things the covid stuff that all of this stuff you know it's like yeah they're huge yes it's it's like oh my gosh but it's way more important what's going on inside of us as, as a result of that. And it's, it goes back to, you know, how we react to something is way more important than what happens, right? Like it's and that growth and that, yeah, just that growth inside of us is so much more important. So I love that quote. Emerson, somebody, I think. (laughs) I'm going to be
0: looking it up, but I totally love that. One thing that I do like that you said, and, you know, as leaders, um, is that there are opportunities and even in the face of all the stuff that's been going on and all the negativity that's out there, there are opportunities and that, that, you know, opportunities and still hope and, and, or can instill hope. And I think, yeah, lots of hope. And and I, and I feel as leaders, you know, if we look for the opportunities to self-improve, you just said that, uh, then I think we stand a much better chance of moving, our own lives and those whom we influence around us in a positive way, and 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 yeah. and and it's the give back, I guess. You know, how can people get your book? How can they find out more information about you, Lori? And tell us those things. You know, who? How can we get your okay. book?
1: Yeah, great. I'd love to connect. I love to, as you can probably tell, I love to just collaborate and connect. So, um, LinkedIn is the only social media that I use, and I do use it actively. So you can find me. Just by searching my name, L-A-U-R-I-E-S-U-D-B-R-I-N-K, Lori Sudbrink. Um, so you can follow me there. You can you can get my book either through my website, which will just take you to Amazon. So I don't have the distribution for my book. But um, at Amazon, you could go right to amazon.com slash Gritty Stuff, G-R-I-T-T-Y-S-T-U-F-F, and I have a storefront there. Um, I have the Grit Productivity Planner, and I also have the um, Leading with Grit book. Um, and recently, Soundview Executive Summaries picked up my book. And so if you're a, if your company is a member of Soundview Executive Summaries, I love that. I've been a member for a very long time. They take the great books um, and they summarize them into about eight pages so that you can get the cliff notes first and then... And, you know, and then get the book if you want to. But it's a, it's a great service. So, uh, yeah, that's how to connect with me. My, my website is my name as well, laurysudbrink.com.
0: Well, I'm glad. thank you for sharing all that, Laurie. Thank you for being here. You know, I'm so glad we reconnected because the world has changed. Last time uh, we were on a show and, and, and had this great conversation, the world was different. And the world, the world is constantly changing. Sorry about the dog.
1: That's okay. I love it. <laughs>
0: that's my little Jack Russell Terrier. I think there's a rabbit out there, but but, uh, but anyhow, I'm so it's it's great to see you, and um, I look forward to oh our next gosh. conversation.
1: Yeah, and I want to thank you, John. And <laughs> that's so cute. He goes, I want to pipe in on this. I want to thank you too, and you know, keep shining your light on this very important topic because you know, men, women, people, humanity. I think the more that we become more human like you said the better off all of us are going to be you know none of us have all the answers for all of what's going on but all of us can look at being more human and connect with each
0: other well said Lori. you know a lot of uh you gave us a lot of things to think about as leaders and uh couldn't agree with you more i appreciate you as a human being and i'm so glad you're you're closer to your daughter now you know you'll Thank be able you. to be the mother the great mother that you are and uh i look forward to the next conversation and maybe we'll come up with a collaboration someday ourselves, but, but oh, thank that you sounds very much. Great.
1: Love it. Thanks, John.
0: Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for listening to another episode of well, without you, we don't exist. We hope the men who joined us today learned some valuable tips to improve and not be ashamed to use them. Be the change, set the example, keep going, men. And for the women leaders out there, keep creating and keep helping us men to become even better men, more effective leaders. Thank you. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and lead.